Hi, coaches. Brian Blackburn here with the Pound the Rock podcast, hardwoodtexas.com. want to thank our sponsors, <coughs> Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Scholastic Skill, uh, Steel, Jeremy Thomas Agency, as well as Tumbleweed Textiles. Today we have uh, Director of Basketball Operations at Gonzaga, uh, Stephen Gentry. Coach Gentry, uh, uh, as most of you know from uh, his emails when he was at Stephen F. Austin, he was at Stephen F. Austin, he was at uh, Oklahoma State, uh, previously also at uh, Texas A&M University, and now uh, gets to go back home to be a, a, a Zag. So, Coach Gentry, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to tell a quick story about Coach Gentry real quick, uh, listeners. Uh, Coach Gentry took uh, over at – no, this is a good one. This is a good one. Trust me. Uh, uh, took over the A&M basketball camp when I was uh, just getting into coaching. I was done playing at A&M, and uh, he worked uh, for Coach uh, Mark Turgeon at Texas A&M and uh, took over the, the basketball camp. And uh, as, a, as a young coach, Coach Gentry did a great job, super organized – uh, and I thought he did an unbelievable job as a young coach, looking back as a young coach, of being extremely uh, firm in what, what his expectations were from the coaches at Texas A&M's basketball camp, and, and, but also uh, being someone who could talk to you on the side about something that was not serious. And so, Coach Gentry, I appreciate you because, uh, you know, you could lay down the law as a young coach, which was important. <laughs> Because you know you're a serious guy by nature, but at the same at the same yeah. time you knew when you could also uh, you know cut up and and uh, kind of found that balance. So as a young coach, I appreciate that that example that you gave for me uh, doing that. So hey, thanks for being ah, here today, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny you mentioned that too. Like I I and I didn't even realize this at the time, but some of like the best relationships I formed um, in coaching, which would later help me when recruiting. Uh, when I was Stephen at Boston, we're through those camps. I mean, there were so many great high school coaches that I met, and then hey, three years later, I'm I'm in that coach's gym wanting to recruit, you know, one of one of his players, you know, or you know, I needed a I needed info on a player from that league, and I could call. And so it's it's funny how you know those relationships, even just through you know basketball camp, right when I was getting into coaching, you know, how that helped me. You know, help me down. Plus, you know, plus the friendships of it too. There were so many friendships and guys I still stay in touch with. You know, just just from those AM basketball camps, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it comes full circle and coaching's a it's a it's a fraternity. There's no doubt. Um, well, I, I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask you. The first thing off was uh, what's some of the best advice you've received in coaching, and uh, maybe some of the fr- favorite coaches that you've learned from. And what made them so great? I mean, you've been around you've been around greatness in college basketball. So why don't yeah. you just tell us that? Yeah, that's, that's where I've been really blessed. Um, you know, be around so many really good coaches. Um, you know, throughout my young career, but even you know, playing for Coach Few, I think um, I really learned a lot from him just offensively. You know how to prepare for each opponent offensively. You know, I think everyone really prepares defensively. You know, hey, how we're going to guard, you know, this team or that team. But Coach Few really taught me, um, you know, how to how to prepare offensively. You know, to have an offensive game plan. Um, you know, for each game, and and also, you know, he just taught me how to have a balance. You know, it can't always be about basketball. You know, it's about relationships as well, and relationship with with your players and those within the athletic department, and just having a balance within your life but you know and then from there I got you know a great opportunity to go work for uh, 
Coach Pat Riley down in Miami and, and Eric Spolstra, who was then an assistant, and those guys, they taught me how to work. I mean, that was <laughs> a you know, round-the-clock job, and I still remember my first day. You know, I'm excited as a new intern from Miami Heat. You know, they're coming off a, uh, a world championship, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove these guys. You know, I'm serious. And so I was like, I'm going to get into the office pretty early. And, um, you know, so I... I plan on being there, you know, six six thirty. I'm getting in my car and and heading to American Airlines Arena, and they call me, and they're like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "Well, hey, yeah, I'm I'm on my way. You know, where are you guys?" And they're like, "Hey, we've been here for an hour." (laughs) (laughs) And so it was, um, you know, it was around the clock deal by just. I mean, just breaking down film, doing that, hoping would work out, making lunch runs. I mean, I was kind of the do-it-all guy, so I just really learned how to how to work and get things done. And then, you know, from there, I, I got to go work with Coach Turgeon, Coach Kennedy at Texas A&M, and learned a great deal from them, more of kind of how to run a college program. And, and then from there, I got to work with with Coach Underwood at Stephen F. Austin as an assistant. That was kind of my first opportunity to be on the court and on the road. And we had a great run there. And he just, he really taught me how to communicate with people. I mean, Brad has such a great personality and, um, and such an unbelievable motivator. I felt like, you know, I always kind of had the yeses and those side of things, but he really taught me how to motivate and connect with players. And he does such a good job of that. And now it's funny, it's kind of come full circle and back with, Back with Coach View here in, in Gonzaga. So, but yeah, I've, I've stolen from all those coaches and, and the numerous assistant coaches, you know, at all those stops. And um, I think that's, yeah, part of coaching, stealing from everyone and, and then making it your own and creating your own identity and an own way of uh, doing things. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, you know, for you, you're, you love basketball, you know, even before you got into coaching. You love basketball before you even had a chance to play at Gonzaga. Uh, and, but your love of basketball has now turned you into a basketball student, and you're just a, a student of the game, offensively, defensively. You like what other people run, and and you know send out the the emails. If if you were a high school coach, you know you've seen AAU games, high school games, camps. If you were a high school coach, in a perfect world, what would you like to do offensively and defensively? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing you've got to look at though is what what fits your team um you know what fits the group fits the group that you have um that particular year um i definitely think you need to have a, a system and a style and a way you do things but i feel like you also can't be too rigid um you know with how you do things and uh, i think i just think there's a there's a good balance there where you can't be reinventing yourself every year based on your team but at the same time you can't have a that set way of doing things and not be flexible to your personnel and maybe both the strengths and, and weaknesses of that team. But, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of the pinch post offense, the spread offense. That, yeah. Um, that Coach Underwood and I, uh, you know, ran Stephen F. Austin in Oklahoma State. And um, I'd probably run the, the five-out transition. I mean, I'd play pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, you know, a top-ten transition offense. Um, last year, Oklahoma State, and, it's, and, and this goes back to my first point, uh, the transition offense that we ran at Oklahoma State was 100% different from what we did at Stephen F. Austin. But we had to because 
no offense, but our, there was a huge difference in talent between our point guard Stephen F. Austin and Trey Pinkney. Yeah. You know, and a future second round pick in Juan Evans. Right. And, and it wasn't easy for some of our staff members. They thought we should stick to, you know, the SFA way, but we had to change, you know, to take advantage of Juan and, and Phil Forte and, and the speed that we had. And, um, and it worked. It clicked. Um, and this is, and this goes again back to my original point. We were a, we were a pressure team uh, at Oklahoma State last year, and that's what we'd done. Stephen F. Austin, we played up the line, in line, and turned people over. Well, golly, it just wasn't working last year. Right. We started out Big 12 play, 0-6, and, and we were right there in each game. We were an elite, elite offensive team, but we were, we were a very bad defensive team, so we had to make a change. And so we went, you know, totally flipped the script. And uh, went from a pressure team to a gap team, and um, you know it was just enough to help us in that area. You know that we went on a went, went on a big run and, and made the tournament. And lost by one point to Michigan State tournament, but yeah. saved our season. You know, right. so I think that was a lesson for me. Is yeah, you've got to have your way of doing things and your style and your system. But at the same time, if you've got a particular player or a particular team that can maybe. Do something that's outside of your ways, and I think you've got to give that a hard look, right? Um, and, and be flexible. So, well, that that shows a lot of humility on on the coaching staff there. Uh, you know, from from Coach Underwood to be able to to say, "Look, this is what I want to do, but it's not what's best for our team." And and to make that change, I, I think shows a lot of humility and the fact that you guys were just going to do what was best for the team no matter what. Now that, that was kind of neat to yeah. see. So. Well, that's what even makes Coach View here such a great coach is that he's he's tapping into even my experience. You know, he's been here so long, he's played a certain way, and now I've been gone for eleven years, and he's starting to ask me, "Hey, how are you guys such a good rebounding team? What do you, what do you guys do? Or how are you guys such a good ball screen defense team? You know, what do you guys do?" And that kind of surprised me. I mean, here you've got a future Hall of Fame coach and who's coming off a national championship appearance, and he's wanting to know and wanting to learn and, and see what the new ideas are out there. And, and I just think that's what the best do. You know, the best are always learning and, and studying and, you know, taking an input from, from their staff and from coaching peers. And, um, you know, cause there, there are different ways to skin a cat as cliche says. And, right. um, and again, I think the great ones are the ones that can, that are constantly learning and constantly evolving, how they do things yeah well that i'm happy for you being able to to move back uh move back home to to gonzaga to be part of that basketball family uh there day in and day out why don't you talk a little bit about going home and and what it's going to be like for you and your your wife and and you have one daughter is that right yeah, we've got a three and a half year old daughter. Yeah. So yeah, it's been um, it's been a busy off season for us. You know, we had initially made the move um, with Coach Underwood from Oklahoma State to Illinois, which was kind of unexpected in its own own right. And um, but uh, yeah, so I was up at Illinois, and my wife and I we've always rented um, in all of our stops, probably yeah. wisely. And yeah, we finally were like, hey, hey, forget this. We're gonna we're gonna buy a house <laughs> in Champaign, Illinois, and. So she flew up one one long weekend, and we found our quote unquote dream house, and put in an offer, and then went out to dinner to to celebrate being you know first time home buyers, and uh, 
got a call from from Tommy Lloyd, the assistant coach here at Gonzaga, who's one of my biggest mentors and friends. And you know, he said, "Hey, I I heard you're thinking about buying a house." And I was like, "Yeah, no, hey, we're we're really excited and think we found a really good one." And blah blah blah. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm gonna need you to not buy that house. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, "No, we want to we want to bring you back home." And um, this has been you know staff that I've always stayed in touch with. Right. Uh, Brian Michelson, one of the assistants, is one of my best friends, was in my wedding. We talk almost every single day. And again, Tommy Lloyd, another assistant here, is one of my biggest mentors and friends and, and stayed in touch with Coach Few. And Coach Few actually let me tag along for the last two weeks of the season, being all their film sessions and practices and on the bus in terms of games um, during the during the, uh, the lead eight, right. Final Four. Which oh, that is cool. Awesome. So. So it's cool to be there for that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a program I've definitely stayed in touch with. And, you know, I was always kind of hoping that, you know, that an opportunity would would come up. And um, and it did. And it was one I had to jump on. And, so yeah, and we're, yeah, we're excited to be back here. And um, that's what makes Gonzaga such a unique place is that not only is the basketball staff for the most part the same, and but, you know, the athletic department from the top down, it's most of the same faces. There's just a lot of continuity here within the athletic department and, and staff, so it's good to come home and and you know still have those relationships with with everyone here. And then even there's so many former players that you know if they're done playing in the NBA or overseas that you know now they're back in Spokane, you know, doing real estate or working in banking. And so just to see former teammates, um, you know, pretty much every day around Spokane has, has been been unique and special for me because I really haven't had that my right. first stop. Well, I'm I'm hoping it lasts, and I know you'll you'll enjoy it, and your your family will enjoy it as well. We were talking about something uh, prior to the podcast about uh, your approach and Gonzaga's approach uh, to um, the the summer, the the summer, and the summertime for high school coaches, as you know, is, is kind of stressful because if you're at a small school, you maybe you're splitting them with a different sport. If you're at a big school, you're splitting them with their AAU team. Go ahead and talk a little bit about your approach. Uh, at Gonzaga, and how y'all approach uh, the the summer the summer se- uh, preseason or summer uh, approach to basketball and training with your guys because I loved it I love what you said. Yeah, you know we we probably take a little bit of a, of a different approach in that you know we're really big in the weight room um, and, and our guys are here all summer um, lifting five days a week and conditioning and. Um, but on the court, you know, Coach View is usually not not around um, you know, during these kind of little sessions. And I think something that that Gonzaga does really well here is is our summer workouts in terms of on the court. They're usually like one on one. You know, it's one assistant and one player, and that coach and player are really locking into you know the weaknesses of that player, and so. You know, it, it's it's an individual session. It's not a team, you know, cookie cutter workout where you're working on on everything and maybe some things that don't apply to certain players. It's a it's a very specific session, really, really locking into you know that particular player. And, and then we go into that workout with a plan. You know, having studied film and stats, knowing specifically what that player needs to work on. But it's more teaching and more trial and error and um, it, I don't want to say laid back, but 
Well, it's it, it's not this this boot camp mentality. I think that a lot of programs do during the summer, where you know they're maybe hitting the guys over the head with this or that, and maybe running them into the ground a little bit. We feel like it's such a long year. Um, hopefully, you're playing deep into March, and we just don't feel like you can rev up that engine. You know, in June and July, it just makes for a long year. I think you. As a coach, your voice starts to get, you know, lose its luster a little bit, and guys start maybe tuning you out a little bit. And so our summer approach is, yes, we're we're going to get stronger, we're going to get in shape, we're going to be prepared for the year. But in terms of basketball, it's just really, really diving into, uh, you know, the specifics of that player, and and the players will play pickup on their own, and they definitely come in at night and get in their reps. But um, you know, hey, then in then in late September, early October, yeah, then we'll we'll dive in and, and start practicing the team but uh, but you've also got to think too that Gonzaga has the luxury of having a culture in place having a way of doing things in place and and sometimes as a new coach maybe you do need to come in guns a-blazing in the summer to kind of set a tone and, and establish that culture and so I've seen both sides of it because you know at Stephen F. Austin in Oklahoma State and at the beginning of Illinois I mean we did we came in you know, working every day hard, pushing in the guy's face, you know, but, but again, we were kind of in a different point uh, for that program where we had to set that tone and that culture, and, and Coach Few obviously doesn't have to do that here right now. It's already in place, so right. I guess you'd have to kind of figure out as a, as a high school coach, you know, where your program's at, where you need, and then kind of how, how to approach your offseason there, but I've, I've definitely learned, and I've, I've even told the Gonzaga staff here, like, I, this is this is different for me. You know? like, <laughs> right. This is, um, this is kind of a different approach, but obviously it's it's worked in the past, and, and hopefully it will here moving forward. Yeah, and just as a coach, you know, what I think of when we were talking about that was um, building a relationship with an individual player. I, don't, I can't think of a better time to build that than when we're teaching, we're working together in the gym in a non-threatening situation where it's not like, you know, a hundred miles an hour. We're, you know, you're, you know, as a player, you feel comfortable asking me questions. I feel comfortable kind of talking to you about uh, maybe a a, a different move that we're trying to use or changing your shot slightly. I I think that's, that's a non-threatening situation to build those relationships. When we do get into the grind of the year, that's going to carry over. Don't you think? Oh, there's no question. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. The best way to form a relationship with a player is, is on the court. You know, I mean, yeah, you can go to lunch, you can hang out, you can talk and text, but I think players today, they want to be around coaches that that can make them better, period. That's at all levels. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if a player doesn't want that, then they're not really a player. If a player wants to be taken to lunch and be coddled, babysat, then he's not a true player, you know, or, or competitor. I mean, the ones that, the great ones I've been around are the ones that, you know, you have that relationship. And, and a great example is Thomas Walkup. Um, you know, we put a ton of time in together on the court together throughout his Stephen F. Austin career. And, and even last year, he came up to Oklahoma State and worked out with me. Right. And then he was up here in Spokane, Washington, probably the furthest place from his hometown you could find. Uh, he was up here in Spokane for two and a half weeks. And so I think that relationship, yeah, you're exactly right. That's the best way, you know, form a relationship between a coach and a player is that time on the court. And like you said, it's in such a non-threatening environment where 
where they can't ask questions, or they can even make suggestions of, hey, I, I can want to add this to my game, or I'm thinking this on this move, and um, there's that give and take, um, you know, between a player and a coach. And, and back to one of my first bosses, Pat Riley, has a great quote. He says, the essence of coaching is a ball, a player, and a coach in a gym alone. <laughs> and I think that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know. Like, it's not these film sessions or scouting sessions or whatever. It's true coaching is just you and me in a gym and a ball, and, hey, we're we're having at it. So Yeah. When, when you yeah. Were, when you were with the Heat, who was the hardest working player that you were around? Probably Alonzo Mourning. Um, Alonzo was just an absolute warrior um, in the weight room and taking care of his body, um, and and maybe not so as much on the court as a big man towards the end of his career. But I felt like just his approach and professionalism, professionalism in the weight room probably added like three or four years to his career. I mean, he was constantly in there lifting, running, biking, always in the training room, you know, getting treatment for practice, after practice. Um, so he was definitely the hardest worker. Um, you know, Udonis Haslam was probably right there with him in terms of his approach. But then on the court uh, was probably Chris Quinn, uh, former Notre Dame yeah. player, um, who's actually now back on – on their staff, right, um, right, and it's a big workout guy for them. And um, yeah, he was he was a rookie um, during my year there, and um, yeah, was constantly in the gym. You know, on, on game days, was always in there. He knew he probably wasn't going to play as much as the other guys. Was always getting a game day workout in, an off day workout in, and um, yeah, was a great, great worker and a good guy. Yeah, I just have uh, one more question, and I'll kind of let you uh, finish off talking about uh, Gonzaga basketball a little bit more. Uh, if you were to talk to a, a team of high school players uh, right now uh, about becoming better players, uh, what you know, what would your message be? Kind of where is uh, where is that line where uh, a good player becomes a great player, or an average player can become a good player? Where you know, besides you know, I know work ethic is a big deal, but what is you know, what do you see? that kind of separates those guys that are really successful to the ones that are just average, average players? You know, what, what's something that you notice as a, as a college coach? Yeah, no, what I've seen, uh, we've got our assistant coach here riding by on a bike. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've seen like, what separates kids these days is just knowing how to play. You know, I mean, there's so many, uh, there's so few kids out there today that just have a feel for the game and, and and know how to play. And I don't know if this is, is the workout culture where all these kids are, you know, they're doing these workouts against cones and pads and, you know, with these specific trainers. Like, I just kids that know how to play in five-on-five um, in different systems just because they've got a high basketball IQ, I think sets kids apart. And I think also, and this is probably cliche and, but just kids that can compete, you know, having a, being a great competitor, um, especially as a high school kid, I think that definitely, you know, that definitely separates. And that's, um, I think that's true of all levels. You know how to play, and you're a great competitor. You're going to find your way, you know, onto the court. And sure, yeah, you've got to have a, a baseline foundation of athleticism and, and skill and all that, but... I guess I just 
I see more kids weeded out today on the AU circuit and and going to that next level. The kid doesn't know how to play. He's a dumb player. Uh, or, man, this kid doesn't play hard. You know, I mean, like, like playing hard and having a quote-unquote motor is, like, now this, like, separate skill. Um, but it's true because there's so few kids that are motored up and then do play hard, do have toughness. And so I think that's – and the beauty of that is that's something that can be controlled. Absolutely. Know, yeah, I mean, that intangible that intangible right there made Marcus Smart a lottery pick. So, Definitely, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, hey, anything you want to lead us, leave us with about uh, Gonzaga basketball? Anything you want to tell the coaches on the website that are listening uh, regarding uh, the program there that, that maybe we don't know or anything uh, that maybe is kind of out of reach for Texas coaches that maybe would uh, get us a little bit more in tune with what y'all do there in Spokane? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're obviously coming off a, a historical year, um, you know, playing a national championship game, and gosh, two minutes to go, we were right there, but... Um, well, kind of a different-look team. You know, we lost Nigel Williams-Goss early to the draft and Zach Collins um, as a lottery pick early. But we some new faces. Uh, some guys will have to step up in some new roles. But we're excited about the year here. And I feel like we play a, a fun style of play, an entertaining style of play, and one that the coaches down in Texas should definitely uh, keep an eye on. And, and we're certainly going to recruit Texas um, as a program. We've already got a couple couple offers out. Um, some 2019 players, and so Texas is definitely a state that we're going to keep an eye on, and and I always want to open up our doors um, to those coaches there, both high school and AAU. And if there's anything we can ever do to help, um, you know, obviously it's a long distance, but if you ever are in the area or want to catch a game or practice, you know, our doors are are always open. And um, I'll pass on my email address too. It's yeah, do Gentry, that. Um, it's gentry at gonzaga.edu, and if you want to uh, subscribe to my newsletter, uh, please just send me an email. I'll get you signed up. I send out a, a Play of the Week newsletter every every single week, every Friday. So if you're not a part of that already, we'd love to have you at it and help you guys out any way we can. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know I miss you having, uh, having you in Texas and in the Oklahoma area, but I know you're going to do great things back home. Best of luck. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Right. Thank you.